Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Chad Adams, your guest host through the week for Pete Callender's show. He's taken some much needed, well-deserved time off. And uh, your call's always welcome here. 704-570-1110. Not a day, not a week. You know, you're probably out returning the gifts that either didn't fit, weren't right, or you wanted to replace it with something else. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas, but it is kind of a busy day for a lot of folks. Hopefully, you know, as my kids said, even though they're in their young adulthood, that uh, they intend to wear pajamas all day. <laughs> that's what that's what their intent is. That's what they're uh, planning to do. So, again, thank you for being a part of the show today and through this week. And as always, the wonderful staff here at News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Now, getting to it, quite a bit of information to cover here. And, you know, as as some of you may have tuned in this morning to the news, you saw that there was yet another 15,000 deep caravan heading to the U.S. border. It, at this point, it seems almost a passe. I mean, I think it's that we're not seeing it. We're not connected to it, that we, we sit here and, and it's far away from us. So even though there's a lot of, uh, a lot of us that are very upset about this, a lot of us that are, that are troubled by this deeply troubled because we've surrendered the Southern border. There's many others that it, it, it's frustrates. Ter- oh, this is terrible news. It's kind of like when you hear terrible news that takes place in Chicago or, or the land of far, far away. It's not direct. If you were living right now, wherever you choose to live, thrive, and survive, and be a part of the society, if this was taking place a mile down the road from you, it would be terrifying that we have 3 million people backlogged. We had waiting for hearings, by the way, 3 million. We're only a country of 340 million, and there's that doesn't count the untold, undocumented millions, the 10, 12 million that are undocumented that are already here. They're not likely to leave anytime soon because, I mean, if you stay here, the longer you stay here, the less likely you are to leave because you'd have to go across the board to come back in and reset the clock if you have any kind of chance of citizenship or just staying here forever. It's not good. I mean, there's nothing good about it. And so John Tamney, someone I've, I've known for many years, he's write, written a piece over at Real Clear Markets, and he said, you know, he said, and he is saying what I said about the nearness and the farness of, of where this transpires. He says he's a, a graduate of the University of Texas at Austin. It's worth mentioning in what is an opinion piece because he didn't know a single fellow graduate who lives in a Texas town that borders Mexico. The bet is that the fellow University of Texas graduates would confirm much the same. In general, grads migrate to Dallas, Houston, San Antonio. And by the way, Texas, it's hard to convey the enormity of Texas, the sheer size and distances. I I lived in Del Rio, which you see on the news. They call it Del Rio sector on the news. This is an immigration. It's it's a border town. And it was the closest Real, I mean, Eagle Pass, which you also hear about, was about 30, 40 miles up the road. El Paso, Texas, was an eight-hour drive at 80, 90 miles an hour through the middle of the night through the Coyote, uh, Coyote Roadrunner territory all the way out to the, to the western part of, El, of Texas. It was hundreds of miles away. 
and and yet we were in the middle part of the distance between east and west. But uh, San Antonio was like 150, 175. It was an incredibly long distance away through a vast, almost just digital through a desert, literally a desert. So having said that, he says, why do they? Why do the graduates stay in Austin? By the way, if you've never been to Austin, it's a weird town, man. Texas very conservative. Austin very very progressive liberal. It's almost a waste of words to say why, but they don't exit Texas's capital city because Austin is more and more where the economic opportunity is. The movement of people, the movement of people, is the purest market signal of all, and realistically, nothing else. I tell you what, they we're going to go to Ray right now. Uh, he's on hold, and he's got this. Uh, wants to talk about Giuliani's defamation lawsuit. Callers always come first. What's up, Ray? How you doing, Chad? I'm fantastic. Good. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you about this Giuliani case that he lost, um, defamation, I think, and also the one that Terry Lake will more than likely be hit with. I know that Rudy Giuliani was a lawyer and intelligent in those type of legal issues. So I'm just wondering if you can tell me why in the world he he did this. It doesn't seem like he would be that uh, ignorant. Okay. I'll, I'll try to address that in this way. That I do believe that he believed what he was doing was correct. He did believe that the votes were miscounted. He did believe that things took place. What he got convicted of was going too far in making these personal attacks. I think it's a mother and a daughter, if I get that wrong. But he did. That's what ultimately cost him in this defamation suit. And that's where the hundred and the verdict was huge. I mean, a hundred and forty six million dollar verdict is one of those verdicts that you just go, wow, you know, people die and get less litigious lawsuits thrown at them. Um, So with respect to that, I think that. Giuliani's star, it is, you know, he's had to declare bankruptcy that 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 will never be paid uh, due to the way bankruptcy laws are in this state. And with Carrie Lake, I don't know that Carrie Lake's time is done on on her front either. I don't know where it's going to go. She's running for U.S. Senate in Arizona right now and her numbers are pretty good. But she has been incredibly outspoken about votes and, and, and what happened between her and Katie Hobbs, more so than Donald Trump, but certainly even with Donald Trump. But I don't I don't know if hers is going to have the same result. There's a lot left to be adjudicated. Right. Do you think through all of this that Donald Trump may have, Trump may have slipped up and did the same thing and defamed someone? Um, I, I don't see that particular one because we haven't seen those lawsuits. I mean, the closest thing we had to that was the Stormy Daniels situation, and it, it didn't end up resulting. In fact, he won that lawsuit. So... He's been and, and some of the things he said as a real estate developer about various figures in public life, he's it, it's hard to believe he's careful about this, but somehow he seems to be very careful in what he says about people who are not in the public eye. Giuliani went went after two people that weren't in the public eye. And I think that's where it went south for him. Oh, I got you. And so, another thing, he probably he probably was saying all these, making these accusations, and he just got kind of got caught up in the moment in a hurry and uh, blurted out something that he shouldn't have without he, he went He went too far. So okay. I, I appreciate Thanks that. Lot, and, and, Ray, thank you for the call, always. Yeah. You have a good day. Appreciate you listening. You too, man. Now, I do want to update a little bit about Kerry Lake. He asked about Kerry Lake and the Rudy Giuliani thing before I go back to 
the uh, what I was talking about. In Arizona, so the, the, he had asked, is Kerry Lake going to fall the same way Giuliani did? And 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 I said, no, I don't think so. Um, and I appreciate, by the way, staff's doing a significantly great job. But so her lawyers, just to give you, I said, I don't think she's going to suffer the same fate. I don't think she went as far. She went very far and has, has certainly been, you know, accusing her opponent there of not even campaigning, that, that the votes were there and, and that, that her election was ultimately not a loss. And so in Arizona, the legal dimension to Carrie Lake's political efforts hasn't gone well for the Republican, the Republican election denier first. And then this is MSNBC. So the language you hear, the bias in the language, he, he is doing a news story, but it's news story with, you know, calling her the denier. First went to court in April of 22, asking that some local counties be blocked from using electronic equipment. That lawsuit failed in the wake of her defeat in the gubernatorial race. Lake filed another lawsuit ostensibly uh, to present evidence of election irregularities. That didn't go well. Making matters worse, her lawyers were ultimately sanctioned after judges concluded that the case shouldn't even have been filed. But as it turns out, Lake's legal troubles don't end there. The Arizona Republic reported this week a Maricopa County judge ruled Wednesday that a defamation case against former gubernatorial and current U.S. Senate candidate Kerry Lake will go forward. Judge Jay Adelman determined that Lake failed to provide enough evidence to get the case dismissed outright under a recently revised recently revised state law intending to deter lawsuits that seek to censor or intimidate critics. In other words, she was probably fine, but a new law said, no, you're not fine. If you're new to the story, Lake in the aftermath of 22 took rhetorical aim at Bill Gates and Stephen Richard, two Republican officials in Maricopa County, accusing them of helping rig the state's election. Richard argued soon after that Lake's claims not only hurt his professional life and harmed his reputation, but also led to death threats against him. Lake's lawyers asked a judge to throw out the case, describing her conspiracy theories as rhetorical hyperbole. The judge didn't buy it, so we don't know what the outcome of that case might be, but that litigation is going to move forward. So she did end up going after two people in much the same way Giuliani did. We'll see. I said earlier, so I wanted to get more familiar, and I wanted to pass along accurate information uh, to Ray's point and observation. I don't know how far this will go. It is it, Here's the, the, thin, the thin line. With this, and it, it, it is it is an interesting one because we heard for years. Hillary Clinton told us she, uh, you know, that that it was stolen from her. Russia interference. Russia did blah blah. And we've heard Stacey Abrams say that she actually won her gubernatorial race. And and when they do it, apparently they don't cross. So I don't know what that line would be. But a lot of if you've ever won or lost an election, you know, there, there's what if isms and why didn't this happen? Or you look for anything. It's it's kind of this infinite ability of humans to rationalize things but how far i mean in america you should have the right to say look i thought it was stolen from me i think hillary clinton had the right to do it stacey abrams had the right to do it countless democrats have i mean bush v gore certainly gore felt like he had the right to say it none of those people were prosecuted but then after you know now the, the left has done a very good job of calling it the big lie they they call it but there are questions. Now, are there questions about whether he won or not? I'm not going to be the arbitrator. I'm not the arbiter of that discussion. Do I think there are questions about the election integrity in those processes in multiple states when things stopped, when they started back? Do, do, do we have the integrity we need? Do you, do we as Americans? And when you see poll after poll, a lot of people are very concerned about that very issue. And, and 
and I do, you know, it's a shame that it's gone, it gets too far, but if people feel like, and this is what we see time and again in almost a lot of the, a lot of the issues that we see, if people feel like they're shut up, their anger grows. If people feel like they're not allowed to vent, their anger grows, and, and it comes out in very unfortunate ways. And, and that's not what's healthy. We're a great country where we have honest debate. And I think that's what you see in the climate stuff. People are not there, – there's a lot of great scientists that are trying to get you know their, their science in, their actual science that says, well, wait a minute. You know, if CO2 is the driver of all of this, then why does it go – you know, the temperatures go down here, and then they go up when CO2 is never going back down. But it's 0. 0.004 the atmosphere, and we've had times where there's more CO2 in the atmosphere, and it's not been warmer. It, they want to have some – discussion about the role that the sun plays in it they want to have a, a discussion about the way weather patterns the way oceans surrender heat and, and and keep heat that the huge ways of discussing things that are not allowed to be discussed and 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 the left likes to shut down debate where did we see this play out the most we saw this play out the most during covid didn't we we saw the active efforts to suppress anyone who didn't agree with. If ever there was a George Orwell 1984 kind of view, we saw that when people questioned the utilization of masks, when they questioned the shutting down of things, when they questioned you know, all sorts of treatments, they questioned the vaccine. Those are things we should embrace. We should. We are, we are curious, probably more curious than almost any nation on the planet. We are people that have a 200-plus year of history of distrusting large organizations, whether it be the church or government. That's the way we are. And we saw, and what group was most likely to suppress and quash? And it was the left. It was the progressive left that did not want to have. We still have, I mean, I still have some lefty friends that wear masks everywhere. They have masks to match their outfits. I still know people that mask their kids, and I have an article about that later in the broadcast. You know, the right loves to declare war on itself. They do. When they disagree, they vehemently disagree, and they, they hash it out. But the left doesn't tolerate dissent in the same manner. It's, it's always ironic the kind of projection the, pet, the left push on, puts and calls people fascist when the real fascists are the ones that consolidate government power, not the ones that get rid of it. Fascists don't get rid of government power. They, they accumulate it. They, they hoard it, not like a pack rat. That's that's kind of the difference. Now I, I will get back to this Texas thing, John Tamney piece. It's a little deep. I'm not gonna. I'm, I'm going to get into it because it's it's why you know kind of this cognitive dissonance we have with immigration, and he applies some laws of economics to it that are that are interesting. And I, your host, Chad Adams, sitting in for you know my good friend Pete Callender, uh, will try to make sense of it. It's not always easy to do that, but you take the complex, we boil it down, we let you be the judge. I have my opinion on it, but I include all, and you're welcome to be a part of the conversation, 704-570-1110, 704-570-1110, here at News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. So when we get back, we'll get through that. Uh, we'll also go through, I'll tease a little bit of what we're going to talk about. Taylor Swift could save the Joe Biden presidency. What? Talk a little bit about charter schools, a big thing, and I'm not going to beat that one. The parents masking, I already told you about that. How many how many kids are growing up in single-parent homes, and what does that mean about society? Kind of, what about prehistoric people having less than 10 fingers? <gasps> what? We're going to have fun today. All right, do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay, so what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. 
Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even. Because being prepared is just smart. Carolina Readiness Supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency. In Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran-owned Carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out it's one of the things my father shared with me it's the irony of the human condition it is that as you get older you know that the days that you know when you're young that the summer used to, you know, it seemed to last forever the anticipation for christmas would last forever vacation something you wanted it seemed like the days would stretch on forever and the older you get and the here's the irony the older you get the more you're capable of appreciating and being in the moment you know, you're, you're able to, but the time flies faster. So the closer you get to the end, the faster the time seems to click by. Because it seems like just yesterday was Christmas of last year. You know, and then boom. It, and we're at a, a year later. I'm reviewing the year in my head, not because it's the end of the year, because I do that frequently, whatever the month, day, or time is. And it just seems to fly by. And and that's the nature of human existence and the irony of it. Uh, there, there's so much, so many things. Would it be... You wish you could review it like that. You wish you could live it in, in a way that those days, those summer days, seem the same when you're older as when you're a kid. But, of course, everything is relative. When you're nine years old, the summer days are a really long thing. When you're 50, it's it's quite short. Now, I do want to get to John Tammy's piece. I started it before Ray's call, and, and calls are always appreciated. They will always take precedence over what, precedent over whatever the, the show host is talking about. Chad Adams, your guest host, so the, the voice doesn't sound the same. But the WBT family, I consider part of my family. They're, they're amazing, great team, great host, great staff, and, and the people who answer the phone. 704-570-1110. 704-570-1110 here at News Talk 1110-993 WBT. And getting to Tammy's piece, and he's talking about a little bit about uh, even in Texas, a lot of the people in Texas, you know, they flock to Austin where the, because that's where the opportunities are in Texas, and 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 why so many people are withdrawn from what's happening at the border. And you're not you're not going to see where this is going till kind of the end, but but, it, but I promise you, it's going to make you scratch your head and question a few things about it, and and why you know why do people stay in Austin? It's almost a waste of words to say why, but they don't exit Texas's capital city because Austin is more and more where the opportunity is. The movement of people is the purest market signal of all, and realistic, nothing else comes to mind. People go where opportunity is. That's where we're headed here. It came to mind while reading Peggy Noonan's latest op-ed piece for the Wall Street Journal. In a wide-ranging piece, Noonan observed that the southern border of the state of Texas is in a state of functional collapse. There's no arguing. That's absolutely true. You have to trust the people that have been there. I have friends that have been there. I, I spent some time as a child there. Those that live there will tell you it's in a functional state of collapse. The southern border is mostly lost right now. At the same time, the fact that so many lifelong Texans have likely never been to the parts of Texas pres- presently overrun with the tired and hungry from Central and South America and other countries is very telling. But also, statement of the obvious, non-familiarity with the southern border is a market signal like anything else. Not just Texas, but us here in North Carolina. Where opportunity is scarce, so are people scarce. That's kind of what Adam Smith said in the, in the Wealth of Nations. The surest mark of a neighborhood, city, state, or country's prosperity is the rising number of inhabitants. We're going to keep going down this path. Just hear me out on it, okay? Back to the column. Reduced to the absurd, it's no reach to say that Haiti 
Yes, that the other side of the island of Dominica, Dominica, which is, you know, many of you have been to Dominican Republic, beautiful island paradise. The other side, Haiti, is is just an economically horrific place to be. But it's no reach to say that Haiti doesn't have a problem securing its border. There's no serious growth to speak of there, hence no, quote, problem related to keeping those who want better. There's nobody that wants to go to Haiti. Conversely, nothing is more vital than prosperity. Since the U.S. is the richest country on the planet, it's no surprise that humans risk it all to get here. Yet there remains this question. Why? Since immigration is a market signal born of humanity's search for opportunity, Central and South Americans are massing at the southern border. Why overrun a locale more known for poverty than for economic growth and opportunity? Do you kind of see where he's going here? Just hear me out because there's nothing on the southern border all the way across. In Texas, there's not; those are not economic boom towns. Brownsville, El Paso, Eagle Pass, Del Rio, and the rest of it's just open desert. So why overrun that area? The, air, the answer is obvious. While human migration is the purest market signal of all, the southern border represents a government response to the market signal. In other words, people want to come for opportunity. The government interferes with that market opportunity and makes a mess of things. The functional collapse is caused by government. It's by central planning. Central planning fails always, always, whether it's in your town, your community, over time, central planning fails. Government, you see it in ETJs across the state. Government's really bad at predicting where things are going to take place. It's really bad. They say, oh, we want our growth to be here down this corridor, so we're going to extend the ETJ of our city. And then invariably it goes somewhere else because the market goes where the market goes. And central planning, it's a big thing in schools, but it's terrible. It merely raises the question of how things would look at the southern border if, instead of imagining government-planned walls and guns as the solution to a market phenomenon, actual markets were allowed to work. In thinking about this, readers neither need to love nor hate immigration. All they have to do is recognize a truth that's generally always evident to them. Market intervention by government fails. In which case, imagine, and this is where it gets interesting, if Central and South Americans were legally able to fly all over the U.S. instead of risking their lives to get past a few key points. Seriously, what would already third world JFK airport in New York look like if it were one of the few airports that travelers could enter or re-enter the United States from? To this, some will say that as evidenced by their migration by foot in the first place, they can't afford plane tickets. You think, right, the people crossing the border they don't have any money. But that's not true. They're paying They're playing what they call coyotes quite a bit of money to get them into the U.S., not to mention how willingly U.S. businesses in need of labor would eagerly foot the bill for plane tickets if work were legal, if they could legally work here. And markets were allowed to work on that matter, except that markets are not being allowed to work, and the response is to decry what's happening on the southern border. That's the equivalent of yelling at the scoreboard for revealing what's happening on the field. As long as the U.S. is the richest country in the world, as a consequence of freedom and free markets, it will be inundated by those seeking a better life. The functional collapse at the southern border in Texas isn't people. It's just government trying to plan and control the arrival of people, which means if we want to reverse the collapse, we have to match markets to what is a market phenomenon. Now, I'm not agreeing 100% with what Tamney is saying in this column. The point is, imagine if they did. If they were going to pay a coyote three, $4,000, their lives to get across the border, imagine if they could just spend $1,000 for a one-way ticket to JFK or to O'Hare or to Atlanta. One, we would get a realistic uh, view of what's happening. Two, it would be cheaper. And three, you would be moving people into the markets that they're trying to get to because once they get across the southern border, they're, trying to, they're not trying to stay at the southern border. 
And you're saying, wait, wait, Chad's flipping on immigration. He wants all these people? No. What I, what, we don't have a functional immigration policy right now. We don't have a functional. We have a collapsed border. We are the subject of an invasion of the worst kind. Now, uh, reflecting on Tamney's article, and, and again, it's over at Real Clear Markets, and I, the, the more I cogitate on what it's saying, it's, it's really interesting. Because remember we sent uh, Cackles Harris down and remember she at the very beginning of the biden excuse me the biden administration at the very beginning of this she was put in charge of this debacle that was becoming that was really becoming a problem it was it was it was kind of babe but once the biden once the american public chose this administration to run things, everyone south of the border in other countries said, hey, they, they disagree with the border wall. Let's go. Let's roll. And then Kamala Harris was, was, you know, Cackles Harris was sent down to the border to address root causes. She had this tour, I think, Panama, Costa Rica, root causes. We know what the, the there's no, there's no magic to, to the root causes issue. Again, and it's weird because so many progressives hate the country or they hate the way it was or hate the history. And they really don't believe in American exceptionalism, that we're not better than others. But there's no country on the planet that people more want to go to. We're not the largest country by far. We're not the largest country. We are one of the youngest countries in the world in many ways. I mean, Costa Rica has a functional uh, constitutional republic now, thanks to in 1947 or so. Israel, much the same, about the same time as Costa Rica. But, but, but by and large, still, if you were to, this is the place more people want to go to for opportunity than any other place on the planet. We are. We, we've done a great job of marketing ourselves. We're wildly successful. And I know we have our problems. We have many of them in this country. We're far from perfect. But at the same time, from an opportunistic standpoint, the great place to, a, a great place to rebuild yourself, a great place to grow, a great place to, be something you weren't before. It's it's who we are. It's in our DNA. And so everyone flocks here. So we know that. But when you don't have a functional immigration policy and the southern border has fallen and you advertise that to the world, our southern border has fallen. If you can get here, you'll probably stay here and there'll probably be some benefits to you. The root causes thing we've discovered. Tammy's piece is that people are spending a ton of money to go to a place where there are scarcely any opportunities so it's not the goal is not for those immigrants to just cross the border the goal for those who are seeking to be here is to be in a place where there is opportunity and we've made it where they're not legally supposed to be able to work a lot of cash under the table or where they do if they can get across and have a baby here boom the cartels have their own economic agenda and they're very successful at it but if we really wanted to test the resolve of the political left in some way just make it where the port of entry is not the southern border. If you if you set up a few landing strips or get them to Cancun and some other places and you fly those people out to LaGuardia and Atlanta and Charlotte and, and Nashville or Tallahassee or uh, Chicago, Detroit, any number. I, I'll miss a thousand cities if I try to name them all. But if you all of a sudden had thousands of planes filled with people who who could get across to the land of opportunity in an opportunistic place, it'd be a lot cheaper for them to get there. And it would be more, pre it would be more pressing on us, wouldn't it? Because that reality, if, if RDU in Charlotte's airport every day had thousands of people on airplanes, just continuous flights from, from Mexico or Venezuela or wherever, imagine the outcry from the progressive left even. They would at that point, 
crumble and melt. Even they wouldn't be able to, to, to stand this. There would be more pressure than has ever been brought to bear. And at the same time, if they were addressing the root causes, then why, is it, why isn't Mexico the land of opportunity, mainly because it's a drug cartel-infested narco state? Why not Panama? Why not Costa Rica? Why is Nicaragua, El Salvador, Belize, Guatemala, why are these countries just to the south of Mexico? Why are those not places? I mean, Nicaragua, I mean, Costa Rica and Panama are amazing countries, beautiful countries, lots of opportunity there. But, the, but this is a land of greater opportunity. So somehow people are skipping over those. And by the way, you don't come from South America right into – you don't walk through. that. that the, the place – in fact, it seems strange, but there isn't a road that you can drive straight down to from, from North America to South America. There isn't a road. Get across the Panama Canal. You get to the southern part of Panama. It is, a, it is one of the most dangerous places on earth between Panama and Colombia. It, it is a, there's not a road through there. It's dense jungle. There's a lot of – uh, death, doom, and devastation is one of the most, like I said, it's, it's, not, it's not like a road you can just drive through. So somehow they're skipping over a lot of that, maybe by boat into, I don't know, going to, a, but they're skipping around that, that dangerous run by the narco states. Basically, horrible place to be. But looking at opportunity in those places, apparently those governments are failing, and those, the people who have the opportunity to leave in some way do, and then they pay the, the coyotes to get across our border, and they're they're ending up in one of the one of the, the places where they're least able to deal with any of these folks. It is a and it's a government caused problem. The government is not dealing with the, the supply and demand. It, it's it's failing the citizens of this country. Now that that is what it is. You're welcome to be a part of the conversation. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. As you go about. You know, uh, getting, I guess you're out and about today. It, it is a busy day for stores, and some of the stores have ratcheted back on their policies on returning gifts and doing things. So, good luck to you if you're trying to do that. We will, on the other side of the break, we will, I do want to get to the Taylor Swift one because I saw this column at MSNBC and I saw it and I thought, how would you possibly think that Taylor Swift could save the presidency of the most powerful country on the planet Earth? And, and I didn't have that in, in my thought process ever, but. Could could that be the celebrity that saves Joe Biden? Hard to believe. The octogenarian, you know, is muddling through and and in fact still lives in the Potemkin village of 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 his own making where he thinks everything's great in the economy. Much more to go. Hour two, getting ready to be underway. Chad Adams, your guest host sitting in for our good friend Pete Callender. We'll be right back after this. Yeah. 